Welcome to Women Winning at Work podcast. My name is Barka Herman. I interview women with successful careers in tech. Please like and share this episode and podcast, and do reach out to me if you or someone you know would like to be featured on my podcast. The best place to find me is on LinkedIn, Barka Herman. And now, without delay, please enjoy this episode. Women Winning at Work podcast. Uh, today, I have a very special guest, Angela Harris. Angela Harris is Senior Product Marketing Manager at Microsoft, and uh, she also does a lot of other things, and we'll get into some of that uh, a little in a little bit. But I want to first uh, invite Angela here and ask her to introduce herself. Uh, welcome, Angela. Thank you, Barka, for having me as a guest on your show. I'm really excited to be here. Angela Harris. Currently, I'm a product marketing manager at Microsoft. I've been working in the tech industry for over 20 years now. I have a bachelor's degree in information systems, a master's degree in information technology leadership, as well as my project management professional or PMP certification. And my fascination with tech simply started when I was about six years old. I was in a store with one of my aunts and I saw a computer and I don't even know if I knew it was a computer but I saw this machine and I was just simply fascinated by it and my father must have seen something in me because when I was nine years old he purchased my first computer for me and I was just that you know geeky kid like just teaching myself how to do everything on my computer so I had friends that were playing you know Sega and Nintendo video games but I was that girl at home just playing around with you know basic programming. That was one of the languages back in the day and, you know, bulletin board services before, you know, the internet was really a whole thing. So I was always doing things on my computer. That is so neat. So yeah, that was going to be my first question was your origin story. So it seems like, yeah, you were very young when you got started, which is the case with a lot of people today or people who grew up in the United States. Um, I know my husband started uh, also, as a child, because a friend of his left, a friend of his father's left a computer at his house, and he just started playing wow. with it. Wow. So, yeah. yeah, so it sounds just like yours. So tell tell me more. Tell me more. How does the six-year-old from a store fascinated by a computer end up at Microsoft? It's been a journey. And when <laughs> I was a child, you know, the word STEM wasn't an acronym. I think the STEM acronym was coined in early 2000s. And when I was a child, it was just like computers. Like that's that was just a generic term. And this, there was no computer science education in any of my schools. And I was ill-prepared for when I entered college. When I started college, I was a computer science major. And prior to that time, again, it was only me playing around on my computer playing around on my computer at home, like teaching myself basic programming. And I was not prepared for the C++ programming that I was required to do as as a freshman in college. And I really struggled. I, I, you know, I went to office hours. I went to my professor, but programming was just not for me. And I did some soul searching that year and decided to change my major from computer science to information systems. And honestly had a much better experience after that. But I just wonder if I had had that compute, that formal computer science education and training as a child with, with my freshman year experience had have been different. And I attended Drexel University, which is in Philadelphia. It's a five-year cooperative education university where we work for six months out of the year for three years. So we're working, we're going to school for full time, going to school full time for six months of the year. And the 
then the rest of the time were actually working full time. So I did get some exposure to, you know, working in the tech industry. My first job was um, my sophomore year in college. And I was working for a company at that time. It was called Roman Haas. I believe now it's DuPont Chemical Company. But I was actually one of the first women and the first African-American woman to work in their network operations center. And this was 1998. And the gravity of that honestly did not hit me until I saw the movie Hidden Figures. I remember going for the interview and the hiring manager shared with me that there had never been any women to work in that department. And he wanted to hire two female co-op students to work in the department. And like I said, I was just so excited to actually start, you know, working in my field. Like I said, it completely went over my head that I was entering a male-dominated industry. Yeah, and that you know, was you, just the, the trend for, you know, the, the bulk of my career being like the yeah. only, only woman and primarily the only black woman in a lot yeah. of my organizations. Yeah, no, you bring up such a wonderful point, though, is that I think even me in my younger uh, part of the career, I was just trying to be the best person. And I wasn't noticing so much that I was kind of making, you know, like breaking a mold for a new generation or whatever. It's just when I look back, it's like, oh, wow, you know, I guess I did make a difference, right? So, so (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, that's fantastic. So, so first job, and I love that program, six months of working, six months of school, Uh, how practical, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so tell me, um, how did you end up? So from that first job, how did you, you know, progress through your career? Talk to me about some of the challenges, some of the wins, you know, yeah. good, bad, ugly. Tell me all, well, all about it. A lot of that. You know, honestly, <laughs> I was also a first generation, you know, college graduate. And I feel like growing up, you just, you just, you're told, you know, it's the career ladder. You know, you go to college, you get your degree and you just you enter the work industry. And it, it just seems like things just magically, you know, progress from there. But honestly, that was not my experience. It's more been like a a jungle gym and a lot of, I guess, like potholes and detours. And (laughs) it's, it's been a journey. And I, when I graduated, you know, I had this big dream of becoming a network engineer because my co-ops had been focused on network engineering. And the year that I graduated, the the economy was bad. So there weren't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of on-campus recruiting that had been scaled back tremendously. And Initially, I thought that I would do like a rotational program with like a Lockheed Martin or one of the big companies that had a tech rotation program. So that was another one of my goals, which was shattered. So everything that I thought I was going to do being a college graduate was completely out of the door, which was like a huge blow in the face. And then my first job out of college wasn't even the role that I really wanted. Again, the market, the economy and the market was bad. I, I literally took the first job that I found just to get my foot in the door. And that was a help desk position. And ironically, the salary was actually less than what I was making as a co-op. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I officially had my degree, but I was making less than what I was making when I was working in school. And about two weeks into that role, there was another woman that started with me. Our manager pulls us to the side and has this conversation with us where he is telling us about there's this really important role in a company that sometimes is overlooked. And he was basically trying to set the stage for telling us that we would have to start backfilling for the receptionist because she was also under his responsibility. So I went through a lot to get my college degree, get, you know, get to fulfill my dream of attending college and obtaining my degree and entering the workforce. And then I'm told that I now have to 
essentially do receptionist work, which is not what I went to college for. Yeah. So that was very, that was a tough pill to swallow. So how did you deal with that? What, what was your reaction? What went through your mind? How did you react? What did you do? And I guess like my situation was a little different because both my parents were deceased at that time. My father actually just passed away my senior year in college. My mother died when I was three. So honestly, I didn't have a choice of not working. I needed to work. It was the only job that I had at the time. So I did it. I wasn't happy about it, but I had to do what I had to do to support myself. But I started looking for other opportunities outside of the of company course. because of that experience, because I knew that I was more valuable than what the work that I was being given. And, and I thought that I would be able to perhaps do an internal transfer into the network engineering group. Again, the economy was bad at that time and they were, there was like a hiring freeze or a hold on position. So there was no movement within the company. So I eventually left that company for another opportunity to again, to get away from that situation because it came to a point where they actually fired the receptionist and I had to do the receptionist job full time. Right. And we also had a male co-op student from Drugs University actually joined the help desk staff. And when the work was pitched to me, it was told that it was something that had to be shared amongst the help desk staff. However, when the male joined the help desk and my manager saw him out there doing that, he pulled me quickly pulled me to the side and told me that he didn't have to do it because he didn't fit the image that he wanted to portray. Hmm. That's funny. So how old are you at this point? I'm 22, 22 years yeah. old. Yeah. So that's, I mean, and that's, that's amazing. That's very, you know, kudos to you for realizing that, Hey, you know, this is something I have to do because of circumstances. However, I'm worth more than this. I'm, I'm better than this and keep looking. So that's amazing. That's a lot of you know, for a young person, for a 22-year-old, that's a lot of gravitas. So congratulations on that. Unfortunately, I didn't have any mentors at that time either. Clearly, there, there wouldn't have been any mentors at that company based on what was going on, but I didn't have any mentors, you know, kind of to give me, you know, guidance and support either. So that was something that was also missing very early in my career. And I feel like that experience kind of obviously shaped me, but also other companies where I've worked since then, I feel like there's always been some type of unfair situation, which has forced me to leave. And again, knowing my worth and knowing my value has this propelled me to leave and pursue better opportunities for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And it shows. So what was next for you? Was the next job easier, better, better money? Honestly, it, it was better for a time. However, again, that there was a, 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 ba- a very bad situation there to the point where they were trying to trick me into signing a document that was basically going to get me fired. There was like some, <laughs> it was really crazy, but basically I got this very strange email from my manager at the time. And she was trying to get me to respond to the email to acknowledge some things. And when I questioned it and I went to HR, basically I was told that that email was my second warning when I never officially received a first warning. And so it was like the step two and the three-step process. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So, but you landed, landed on your feet eventually. Yes, eventually. Like I said, I feel like every, I, I, very early in my career, I typically moved around probably about every two years because again, unfortunately, there was a lot of bias and unfair treatment that I experienced in my career. And again, just knowing my worth and knowing my value, I just refused to tolerate that treatment. So I always took my, my skills elsewhere. So is it, do you think that it was a product of the time uh, the majority of the industry 
or specific to company issues? Honestly, I mean, I, I, I really have to wonder. I think this is the product of being a black woman in technology, honestly. Like I said, there, there's bias and there's unfair treatment. I've seen colleagues less qualified than myself. They've been given promotions, whereas, you know, I, I'm qualified, but yet when I apply for certain opportunities, I'm told I need more experience or I'm not ready yet. But like I said, other people with less qualifications are given the opportunity immediately. And do you think that it's still happening to you here in Microsoft? Well, I mean, that's a very good question. I mean, you, you do have to wonder because bi bias is everywhere. And I, I've, I've heard, I guess, like stories of people saying that they've been brought in under level. And I just wonder if, if there has been like any pay equity audits to kind of validate that information. Yeah, so there is a, there is a, um, and I'm not very familiar with it because I don't pay attention to it as much. I, maybe I should. Uh, because I'm a good negotiator and I negotiate good deals for myself. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying that should be like, you know, it's not the end, end person's responsibility. That's not the message that I'm trying to say, but it's just not my focus. Uh, but there is a report that comes out every year and the, a the HR team publishes it and they do uh, a report on each level and, you know, uh, breakdown based on sex, race and gender, race, and all that stuff uh, as well. So so it's it's available. I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but you should definitely take a look at it if you're, yeah. if you're interested. But, you know, let's talk about, I noticed that you are the Senior Product Marketing Manager. Now, did you actually make a, a change from networking to marketing, or, or is it a really a technical position within the marketing department? Explain to me what you're what you're doing yeah. and how you got here. Yeah, honestly, honestly, the whole network engineering dream honestly never took off because I never, I was never able to land that network engineering position. So I moved from the help desk into like, you know, quality assurance testing, you know, did that for a while. Then I worked for another company where I was like a production support lead, which kind of led me to moving into IT project management, which I've done for probably like, you know, 10 years or 10 plus years or so. And then as I was evaluating the next, phase of my career and, you know, things I like, things I don't like and started exploring roles and having informational interviews with folks, I realized that the product marketer, product marketing manager role was actually a good fit for me because it would tap into my project management background, my tech acumen. And I was always curious about marketing. And I guess like always being on the, you know, IT or the tech side of the house, you kind of think that you have to be this business person or have a traditional marketing background to work in marketing. And when I did an assessment of some of the work that I'm doing outside of my day-to-day -day job, I'm, I've been indirectly doing marketing work. I just really didn't realize it. So to me, it just made the most sense to try to pursue that as my next opportunity. And how long ago did you did you transition to that? It was actually March of this year. So I'm, oh, I'm, okay. still, so new, this is a I'm still new, you know, getting my this feet wet in this whole discovery. product marketing space. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And are you liking it? I am. I am. And honestly, I will say I'm definitely utilizing you know, a lot of transferable skills while I'm also familiarizing myself with, you know, marketing terminology, but definitely relying heavily on transferable skills and things that I've done from previous roles and previous companies. Right. Okay. Got it. Got it. And so how did you, how did you end up at Microsoft? I ended up at Microsoft actually through a referral and it was um, from 2018 and the 2019, I was actually in a leadership development program that was sponsored 
by an organization called the Information Technology Senior Management Forum. And that is an organization of senior le senior African-American leaders in the tech industry. And their focus is on increasing representation and creating more African-American leaders in tech. And they do this through three academies that they host. And I was fortunate to participate in their Emerge Academy, which is specifically for women of color in the tech industry. And one of my cohort members worked at Microsoft and she happened to share a job posting with our group. And at that time I was, you know, considering, you know, next steps and if I was going to pursue external opportunities. And I just said, hey, I want to learn more about this opportunity. So I had an informational interview conversation with her and she passed my resume along to a hiring manager and the rest is history. But I definitely awesome. tapped into my network to make the opportunity happen because I think the statistics says about 80% of jobs are landed through networking. And this is a great example of that. Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm sensing a theme here. When you were starting out, um, you know, one of the only African-American women from a graduating class, and I don't, I don't know the statistics on that, but definitely one of the first working in a company did not have the networking opportunity and now suddenly you have a networking opportunity you leverage it and you you have a, a you know a lot of people would say a winning career so how can how do you think how important is networking for you know any young person starting out and where can they go to create such a network yeah it's In extremely important honestly it's something that i wish i would have utilized earlier in my career, but again, I didn't have that mentor or that person to kind of, you know, instill that in me. So it's definitely yeah. something that I try to share with anyone that I mentor. And I would say the easiest way is to tap into your college. If you're a college graduate, you can tap into your college alumni association. And I feel like a little known feature about LinkedIn is that if you go to your college's page on LinkedIn, there's like an alumni tab and say you're interested in Microsoft, you can filter specifically for Microsoft employees that are alumni of your respective university. And that's that's an easy way into networking because who doesn't want to help someone that attended their alma mater? Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a great tip. Thank you. So let's talk about some of your wins. Uh, clearly, you have a lot of successes throughout your career. You didn't let your early, you know, blocks stop you. What do you find the most rewarding about being a black woman or African American woman in this industry? Oh, that's a that's a great <laughs> question. Honestly, to be completely honest, it really is tough because there's the concept of a prove it again syndrome. I feel like I always have to constantly keep proving my my skills, my abilities, my talents over and over again. Whereas you know, people less qualified than myself are handed opportunities. I've I don't think I've had any opportunity handed to me. So I feel like I sometimes wonder when my education, skills, and experience, will it ever be good enough? Because I feel like every time I try to make a move, there's always, well, you need more experience. Or we went with someone who had already done the job. Well, how do I get the job if, I'm sorry, how do I get the experience if you're not going to give me the job? And a lot of companies preach the whole transferable skills thing. And they say, you know, get involved in ERGs and volunteer and join a nonprofit board. I feel like I've done all those things. And still, I encounter situations where I have all that on paper, but I'm still told, oh, we went, we went with someone else who's already done it, or you still need more experience. So I just have to wonder, when is it ever going to be good enough? <laughs> 
So, so there's zero, zero plus sides of being a African-American woman in technology. I would say the plus is that I feel like the work that I'm doing now, the fact that I'm still here and the fact that I mentor and I guess like advocate for other people, I'm hopefully making the role better for the women coming behind me. That's yeah. the way I look at it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's, that's really good. So, okay. What do you like about being in the tech field? What are the pluses? You know, not, not from a woman perspective, not from a African-American perspective, just being in the technology field. What are the pluses? Why would you want other young women or young people to be in this space? Just because it's constantly changing. You're, you're always learning something new and doing something new. And is this really, is this really fascinating? You're always amongst the latest and the greatest going on. But I would say to be in this field and remain in this field, you have to be open to being a lifelong learner because things are changing so constantly. You have to adapt with the change and lifelong learning is one of the things that you have to do. And honestly, I, I would also tell, you know, girls and women to not feel like they don't belong. Like you may think someone because someone is working for Microsoft or Google or whatever company, they have this certain perception. You are equally as qualified as anyone else and don't discount your skills and abilities yeah 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 definitely um i'll i'll share a small part of my own journey here you saw your first computer at the age six i saw my first computer at the age 21. so i always tell young girls that i'm working with that if i can do it you can do it yeah and people talk about hey you know not having access to computers this that I grew up in India, which is a third world country when I was growing up. And the only equipment was in my school was, and you were talking about heat wave earlier, we didn't grow up with air conditioning. <laughs> so the only equipment was a one of those slate black chalkboards oh. and a chalk. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. was it. And, you know, I was able to learn arithmetic, physics, geometry, everything using a chalkboard and <laughs> some chalk. Yes. And it is possible. So Yes. <laughs> If you have the will, you can make yes, it Yes, yes. Right? You definitely have to persevere and disbelieve in yourself. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. And um, I, I know that you do a lot of other work besides um, besides your career at Microsoft So or, or your career in technology, which spans 20 plus years. Um, so tell me a little bit more about your, your side gig and wh- what are you up to? Yeah, well, outside of my day-to-day job, I'm very active in my college alumni association. I'm a a member of the Drexel University Alumni Board of Governors. I also serve on Drexel University's Black Alumni Council, recently joined the LaSalle University IT Advisory Board. Just very passionate about giving back because I feel, based on my life experiences and career experience, I just want to share as much, share everything that I've learned, again, to make someone else's this journey a little bit easier. And in 2017, I actually started a scholarship at Drexel University to support African-American students studying technology. And it's June of 2021. And my very first scholarship recipient actually just graduated earlier this month. And coincidentally, she is coming to join Microsoft in the fall of this year as a full-time employee. Fantastic. What an amazing achievement. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so, no, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, just really passionate about, you know, giving back and helping 
those coming behind me just because I didn't have someone like myself when I was their age. Yeah, 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 and it's so true. You know, I think that two things, right? One, my parents couldn't have supported me in my chosen path because this path didn't even exist for them. Like, you know, uh-huh. you, you mentioned that, you know, you're you're the first in your family and your mom passed away early, your father passed away through, during college. I left home and my kids, uh, my parents were in, in, in India. They couldn't really support me financially because the exchange rate is so uh-huh. bad. <laughs> you know, they, they, they couldn't even if they wanted to, but also they had no clue what computer science was. They right. absolutely yeah. didn't clue. So, yeah. you know, there was just no support uh, from that perspective. But but it's very different for the new generation. And if we don't support the upcoming generation, who will, right? So. Exactly. If not me, then who? And then I guess another thing I've been up to most recently, I've launched my own coaching and consulting business out of my love for, you know, wanting to help people and give back and share knowledge. I've started, I've obtained a life coach and career coaching certification. So tell me about that. How did you end up there? What fascinated you? And also, did you have coaches of your own? My first experience working with the coach was actually when I was in that Emerge program sponsored by ITSMF, and it was definitely beneficial to me. And I guess how I ended up here with the coaching again, you know, 2020, obviously a lot of, you know, quiet time to do soul searching. And I was in a program called, it was a like a boot camp program called 1K One Day, which helps people identify ways they can start monetizing a lot of the day-to-day things that they're doing. And I remember doing an assessment. They had like a, I think it's an archetype archetype assessment that was a part of the program. And my profile was like a pusher. And essentially it's like, you're the person that's like the big cheerleader. You're always, you know, motivating people. And I'm like, that sounds like a coach. (laughs) So, you know, I decided to, that, that led me to look into pursuing the life coaching certification. Okay. And, and how was your journey into life coaching and, you know, and how long have you been in business and what is the, you know, good, bad, ugly? Let's talk. Yeah, so honestly, I just received my certification in January of this year. So I'm just starting out, but I do have um, my first client who's actually been amazing. And it's just incredible to see the progress that he he's made. We've only been working together for two months, but he's made so much progress in the two months that we've been working together to see like, the light bulbs going off in his head in terms of, you know, what he can do and what he's comfortable doing and how he's challenging himself to just step outside of him, step outside of his comfort zone. That's fantastic. No, that's great. And, and where do you see this going? Where do you see your, your coaching business going? That's a good question. Honestly, I feel like, you know, that I, I like to dream big. So I feel like, you know, the sky is the limit. You know, I'm starting off now, but who knows, you know, where this could grow in the next, you know, five, 10 plus years. And I feel like so many companies have targets of, you know, increasing representation and also, you know, retaining talent. So that's going to require coaching. And I feel like I can definitely be that person to fill that gap just based on my experience in corporate America and things yeah. that I was missing very early in my career. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Awesome. Okay, so at this point, I'd love for you to share something that you might say to, you know, like your 20-year-old self or somebody similar in background or or somebody starting out. What advice would you give them? I would definitely say get a mentor. Get a mentor, number one. Make sure you network. You also need to make sure you find a sponsor. And I would say 
always trust your intuition and never doubt yourself. Got it. But um, just, and I do know this, but uh, for our audience's sake, can you make the distinction between mentors and sponsors? And also uh, the second part of the question is where, where would you go find one? So, you know, yeah. what's the difference? Yeah. A mentor is that person or like the, 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 um, the sage person in your life that gives you, you know, advice and guidance, you know, how do I approach it, approach the situation with my manager? I'm having a difficult time building a relationship with my manager. I'm, I'm working on this really difficult project. So they're the person that's going to give you the guidance, the guidance to get you through that situation based on things that they've experienced in their career. Whereas a sponsor, you can think of them as like your fairy godmother in a sense that they're the person that can make things happen for you. They are mentioning your name in rooms where you are not present. They are talking you mm. up and they have the power to open doors for you. If there's like a manager role that becomes available they are the ones that is putting your recommend, they're giving you that recommendation and saying, you know, I want Barca to be the next manager in this organization. And here's why she's done X, Y, and Z. She is a strong contributor. Awesome. Thank you for that. And then as, you know, as a, just a kid going through university, barely being able to pass their classes and pay for school, yes. where do you find a mentor? Where do you find a sponsor? Yeah, and I, honestly, I feel like, you know, things are different now. I guess, like, for me, like, again, I, honestly, I don't feel like I knew where to find a mentor or a sponsor. And I'm not even sure I knew the term sponsor when I was in college at the time. But definitely by being involved, there's so many campus organizations. And, again, the Alumni Association. I know at Drexel, I've done a lot of um, webinars for the undergraduate students, or I'm actually involved in a formal mentorship program through Drexel University to mentor undergraduate students. So I would say if you're a college student, you know, start with your college, go to your advisor or go to your career services office and say like, hey, I'm studying accounting. I would really like a mentor. And you don't have to limit yourself to having a mentor that's directly in your field. You can study accounting and still have a mentor who perhaps works in tech. It's always good to have the perspective of multiple people. And honestly, you want to have what's called a personal board of directors where you have, you know, a core group of mentors that you can tap for support. Got and it. over time, mentors can develop into sponsors because honestly, you can't walk up to someone on the street and say like, hey, Barca, I really want this manager job. Will you help me get it? I mean, who? because essentially they are are risking their name and their reputation for you. So they're not going to do that for someone that they don't have a close relationship with. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fantastic advice. I wish I had known any any of that when I was starting out as well. I, say, I, I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't either. And I, and I want to say also one additional thing. I know a lot of companies are starting to implement, you know, formal sponsorship programs where, you know, a senior leader in a department may be assigned, you know, two or three employees where their whole focus is to help help them gain visibility opportunities. So you, you're starting to see that happen within companies as well. So you may not have to work on forming your own sponsorship relationship. You may be given one through your, your through your company. Right, right. Yeah. And that's that's a great that's a great opportunity and always leverage that when, when yes. it's presented. Yes. Right? It's up and to you. Leverage it and also, like I said, nurture it. I mean, I have, you know, mentors from previous companies where we we still check in, you know, every few months, like, you know, here's what I'm doing. You know, what are you working on? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great.
So thank you very much. And is there anything else you want to share with our audiences that if they, you know, they're, they're inspired by you, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, what's the best place? Yeah, um, the best place would probably probably be my personal website, which is www.angelavharris.com. Okay. All right. And I'll, I'll add it in the show notes. I'll add all the links. So, so thank you so much, Angela. This was fantastic. And thank you for taking time and speaking to me today. Thank you so much for having me as a guest, Barca. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Thank you so much for listening. Please like this episode and share it with someone you think that'll enjoy it. And do reach out to me on LinkedIn and connect. And also, if you would like to, please join my newsletter by visiting www.barkaherman.com. Thank you.